As we continue to worship this morning, uh, we're going to go into the Word of God. Um, those of you who've been following with us, we've been on a series called Beneath the Service. And we've been talking about there's just so much in our lives that are unseen. And the greatness of the gospel is not just stopping in the 10% of our outside life, changing us on the outside so we'll look good, think good. But really, God wants to penetrate deep into our lives. Last few weeks, we, we've been on this series. We talked about the story of Saul, how important it is that we know ourselves so that we might know God, that God made each one of us in a very unique way uh, with personality upbringing. And we also talked about the life of Joseph, how we need to go back so that we can move forward, that our family history upbringing uh, certainly play a part in how we are shaped and how we uh, live our lives today. And it is important for us to go back to ask God to examine our hearts and our, our family lives that to service for us different patterns in our lives that might be hindering us from experiencing more of God. Then we also talk about journeying through the wall uh, by enlar- uh, enlarging our soul by journeying through the wall. That at times in our lives, there are some major trials and cr- uh, crises in our lives that keeps us uh, from experiencing God in, in, in a greater way. And so we talked about how important it is for us to um, to enter into those walls and wait patiently and still trust God uh, in the midst of it so that our soul will be enlarged to experience God. Otherwise, we would not be able to. And also, um, and so this week, what we'd like to talk about is this idea of discovering the rhythm of the daily office. Discovering the rhythm of daily. We're going to talk about rhythm today. Uh, if you don't know, actually, there are many rhythm in our lives. Uh, biologically speaking, the circadian rhythm, uh, I was listening to, uh, reading up on some, uh, a sleep study. Uh, that's just my brain goes sometimes get interested in things that probably most of you don't care, but I was reading and listening to this study on sleeping and how God created biologically, physiologically, our brain to release these chemicals throughout the day. There this clock in our mind and our, and, and our brain that released the uh, chemical called melatonin. And so at a certain time of the day, it will start releasing. So prepare us to rest. Like none of us can, sl- can stay awake for, for days and months on. Like within our body, there are rhythm that helps us to recalibrate our lives. Uh, sleep is a part of it. And so what happens is if you drink coffee in the, mid- in the late in the evening, it will affect you, your, your sleep because you're stopping the rhythm that was built naturally for you. Or you've got, some of you guys have been uh, uh, probably familiar with this. You sleep over a late for a period of time, you change that your biological clock, the rhythm of your life. It takes so much more to recalibrate that, to go back to what it used to be. But not only that, right? There are seasons in our lives. There's uh, in our, in our like physical seasons, right? I know in California, we don't have a lot of that. It'll all seem kind of the same. I was talking to someone from Texas earlier this week. Now they feel what season is all about. They know what winter is. Like for us, um, yesterday I met with someone who just came from Dallas back uh, coming to California. It was night and day for him. Uh, he, he, he thought this is like summer, you know, for in, in the East coast, but he was just flying out of Dallas. Things were crazy, snowing, icy, 
But today he was in California. It's a completely different world. We don't have seasons so much here, but we know that that's that's part of the the ebbs and flow. Uh, for if you go go visit a farm, there are the season affects farmers so much. There are times of harvest. There are times of sowing. We know that there are a different rhythm even in our way of grieving. Mainly, you, know, you are familiar with that. You know, there is anger, there's uh, avoidance, and then there's processing. And so we, our lives are filled with these rhythm. And in the same way, spiritually, we need to build in a rhythm so that we may be with God. But here's a challenge for many of us. Our challenge is that we live in a very, very hurried world. I'm guilty of that. Uh, we tend to pack our lives with many, many things. And with the technology, advanced technology, we would, uh, the, the original intent of technology actually is to make our lives easier because it automated a lot of work that we, we need to get them. But in reality, actually, instead of, instead of uh, uh, making it easier, it creates more for us to do because things are faster, more effective, more, uh, more uh, streamlined. So then now... There are more space, more time for us to do even more things. And so what happens, we just, we just packed in every single thing and to do more. And so we've lost the rhythm that we need to have. We live in a very hurried world. We might pack more extracurricular activities so that we can pad our, our college app. Maybe for those of us who are at work, we, we do involve in more projects so that our resume look better. I have more side hustle so that I can provide more. I have more money so that I can buy the next gadget I have. Uh, even at church, sometimes we do, we serve more just so that maybe it makes us feel better about ourselves. And while all those things in and of themselves are not wrong, but what happens is we oftentimes let the hurry, hurriness of our lives take over to be the rhythm of our lives. Rather than having a rhythm to be with God to dictate how we live the rest of the things in our lives. Now, without, uh, I don't want you to misunderstand me thinking that, oh, like that, does that mean that being spiritual, being with God means I do nothing. I just sit around and just look at the Bible and pray all day. Like, that's not what we're getting at. There is a huge difference between busyness and hurriness. Jesus is the perfect example here in Mark chapter 1, verse 32. Jesus probably had one of the busiest day that he's ever had in his life here on earth. Look at what it says in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 32. That, that evening at sundown, they, brought, him, they brought, brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick and with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while he was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Earlier in the last slide, we see this, this scene of Jesus being so busy. He just healed a bunch of people, cast out the demon, and then all these people in the town keep bringing him more and more people. It was a busy, busy day. But just because this is a busy day does not make it a hurried day. Because we know in verse 35, this is the difference between a busy day and a hurry day. A busy day is a day that when you do things with Christ and for Christ. But when you are hurry, you're doing things apart from Christ and for everyone else but Christ. 
I want to run this back because this is really important. Be, being busy does not necessarily mean that you're not with Christ. Being hurry means you're doing things, you keep doing things, and without doing it with Christ, without doing it for Christ. But when you're busy, you can't do it with Christ and for Christ. And that's what we're talking about here. Having a rhythm in our life, being spiritually engaged with Jesus does not mean you do nothing. You quit your job, you quit your school. But what it does mean is we need to be intentionally engaging with Christ in all that we do, all that we, we do throughout the day, wherever we're at. You see, busyness is not the same thing as hurriness. Hurriness means we don't have a rhythm to be with Jesus. But even when we're busy, we can have a rhythm to be with God. This is probably the reason why Jesus said that at the end, uh, at the end of his life in John chapter 17, he's, he prayed this to the Father. He says, I glorify you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Think about it for a second. Did Jesus really accomplish all the work? Well, he said he did here. Well, Jesus didn't heal every person on earth. Jesus didn't cast out every demon on earth. In fact, Jesus didn't even save every person on earth. He didn't share the gospel to everybody. And yet when he came to the, the father at the end of his life, he said, Father, I glorify you. I've done everything that, that accomplished all the work particularly notice is as you gave me to do so jesus might be busy jesus might be doing a whole lot of things but jesus is not doing everything and more importantly he is doing the very thing the father has given him to do and he's doing for the father and he's doing it with the father that is the rhythm that we need to have if we are to be the hurriness of our lives. If we are to get beneath the, the iceberg, the 90%. So the question we're going to talk mainly about today is how do we live a centered, connected life with Jesus in the midst of all the chaos in our lives? You're busy people. I'm a busy person. We have things, family responsibilities, schools, work. We're all filled. Our plates are full. But in the midst of that, how can we find a balanced life-giving, life-connecting relationship with Christ. The person I think of in the Bible that, ex- uh, that exudes this uh, quality the, the best is a person of Daniel. Let me give you a quick summary of Daniel. Um, we preach actually almost half a year ago, we were preaching through a series through Daniel. So if you want more of it, go back to the YouTube and watch that. But I want to give you a quick summary. Um, Daniel lived in a time when the Israelites were disobedient to God to a point that God said, I'm going to kick you out of the promised land. And so as a result of that Babylon, uh, Babylonian empire come and came and conquer, uh, Israel. And so because, um, uh, Judah. And, and so Israel's already been exiled and, and the, the nation of Judah. And so as a result of that, uh, the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted to bring the best of the young men in, in, in Judah. And so as a result of that, Daniel was one of those rising leaders as a young man. And so Nebuchadnezzar took them away and bring them to Babylon to train them, give them the best food, the best education, all for the purpose to put it in a very ugly way to brainwash them, brainwash them so that they will grow up eventually to serve Babylon. 
Babylon oftentimes in the Bible is being portrayed as the world. And that's exactly where you and I are in this world. Daniel was living in Babylon. We are living in in our version of Babylon today. Just like Daniel, we feel the pressure to become like the world. Daniel felt the pressure to bow down to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. He felt the he felt the pressure to be to think like the Babylonians, to have values like the Babylonians, to to alienate himself from God. He was feeling the pressure, the heat from all the people around, including the king and his co-workers and his colleagues and people, even probably his own people who feel who given to the, the pressure. And in that very same way, you and I live in a world, our own version of Babylon, telling us that we don't need to be faithful to God, to live the way the world calls us to live, to live to our own fleshly desire. Daniel's life was was being compressed, and just like your life and my life, the question is, how did Daniel rise above that? How did Daniel rise above the fray, and how did he not just uh, survive Babylon, but really thrive? Because by uh, the passage we're going to look at today is Daniel chapter 6, really short verse here. Because by this point of Daniel's life, Daniel thrived to be the second in command in all of Babylon. The king trusted him. He was doing such a great job without compromising his relationship with God. And the question is, how did he do that? How can he thrive in Babylon? And and, and hopefully for you and I feel the challenge to thrive in our own Babylon without sacrificing, compromising our relationship with God. And I believe the key lies in here in, in this verse right here in chapter 10. All his colleagues in chapters, uh, chapter 6, uh, I apologize, chapter 6, right here in chapter 6, he was at the second highest in command. All his colleagues are jealous. They are looking for ways to bring him down, to bring her to him. And so they were spying around. They knew that one thing that Daniel did every single day was to pray to God. And so let's pick up the passage right here. Daniel chapter 6 verse 10 says this. When Daniel knew that the document has been signed, the document meaning that uh, his colleagues uh, coerced the king to say, oh, why don't you sign this that no one should bow down and pray except to you. And so the king obviously thought, well, that's a great idea. Everyone should bow down to me and pray to me. So he unknowingly signed this, not realizing that Daniel would never do that. But nevertheless, he signed it. And notice how Daniel reacted to this. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously there are two things i want us to bring our attention to the first one is this how do we survive and thrive in our own babylon in the midst of chaos in the midst of craziness of our lives i think here's the first thing is we learn from dan the first thing we need to have consistency see here daniel prayed three times a day but he didn't do it because they're all of a sudden this crisis that the document is being signed. There is something major happening that might put him in jail. Well, we know later on in the lion's den. He didn't just do, start doing that because something bad happened. The passage tells us that Daniel had been doing this 
previously he has always consistently meeting with God, worshiping God. It is not a newfound uh, habit that he came up with. He has a consistent life to be with God every single day. And that's what God is calling us to do. If we are to survive and thrive in this world, if we are not to be defeated by the hurriness of our lives, we need to have a consistent time with God, but not only consistency. Here's the second one, that there is a frequency to his meeting with God. He had consistently go through that every single day, but not just one time a day. But it says this, he got down on his knee three times a day. Three times a day. This is perhaps the most uh, very different from our understanding traditionally on what quiet time is. Many of us grew up in that concept of quiet time, kind of spend time in the morning. I grew up with my Sunday school tell, teacher telling me, oh, spend the more uh, quiet time in the morning, do the devotional. Uh, we call it quiet time devotional. Read for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour, you know, meet with Jesus. And, and, and then after that, you can go on your day and do your thing. And while that is very, very good, while that is helpful for us to engage with God in the beginning of the day, but what my experience tells me is that that is not sufficient. And perhaps you also may agree with me in, uh, according to your own experience. Because oftentimes what happens is I spend time with Jesus in the morning. I'll read his word, pray. And then what happened? The next big things that showed up, the next big argument that I have with my kids, the next things that, uh, that didn't work the way I am. All of a sudden, all that I've learned in the morning just disappeared. And I can literally, perhaps you, you you feel the same way. You can live through the rest of the day without engaging with Christ one way or another, without even giving thought to Jesus. And even when we say grace, we may not even mean it. It's just a ritualistic thing that we're doing. And so while spending time in the morning is important, is good, what we see from Daniel is that to survive and to thrive above the chaos and hurriness of our lives, it takes more than just once a day. Daniel did it three times a day, not because he's more spiritual. Daniel did it three times a day, engage and worship, pray to God and give thanks to God three times a day because partly is because that's what he grew up in doing. Back in those days, the Israelites have a rhythm to be with God. David in Psalm 119 had this rhythm with God. He says, seven times a day, I praise God for his righteous rules. In another Psalm, Psalm 92, he says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, sing praises to you, to your name, O Most High, on Sunday morning. No, he doesn't say that. He says, to de- declare your steadfast love, what? In the morning and your faithfulness at night. Again, we see the pattern there. And Jesus' time, he continued to practice prayer three times a day, just like many of the Jews at the time. The early church continued this practice, Acts chapter 3. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which is about 3 o'clock. You see, there is a rhythm. There's a rhythm to be meeting with God, rhythm to be meeting with Jesus I mean, just imagine this. If you're eating just one meal a day in the, bre- in the morning breakfast time, you just eat that one meal and you expect to carry on the rest of the day. How efe- efficient it will be for your body. How much more nutrients and energy you will need throughout the day to eat, to drink water, to drink uh, whatever that you're drinking so that you have enough energy to carry out the day. 
We will not just eat one meal a day or for some of us just one time a week on Sunday morning. There needs to be a rhythm, a frequent frequency to our engaging with Jesus, both in prayer and the word and in silence. And this is where this idea came about in the early church called the daily office. There's nothing spectacular or miraculous about this. It is just simply a, 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 a idea of spending frequent time, having a rhythm to be with God. Some uh, in early church call it the divine office. It's not in scripture, obviously, but we've seen examples of that as I read through different verses for you. Uh, daily office, the word office is literally means the word, the word work. And so what the early church father, and, and then we see the example of Daniel here and, Dan, and, and uh, Jesus and the apostles was that they make it their first work about make, a meeting with Jesus, about meeting with God. That their first work is not to do our homework, is not to do any of our chores or anything else. They put their first work to be about meeting and, and worshiping and being with Jesus. Every other work flows out of that work. Every other work that, that we do are oriented around our first work to be with Jesus. So again, it does not mean that we don't do anything, but is that but instead we're thinking, how can everything that we do revolve around my work to be with God, my work to be with Jesus? And that's what daily office is all about. Building a rhythm. Throughout our day. For some of us, maybe three times, for some of us, maybe seven times, for some of us, maybe twice. For we don't, I don't, I can tell you how much time you need to be with Jesus. Just like I won't be able to tell you how much food you need to eat. But the reality is, we need more than once. We need a daily through a rhythm to be with God. And the point of this work is not just to do the homework and turn to I did my thing and Jesus. I'm with you. I read your word. I pray. I just make that to be the final. The work of being with Jesus is best summarized in Psalm 27.4, a verse that our sister uh, two weeks ago, Carrie, has shared with us in the call of worship. Let me read it for us. One thing have I asked is David praying. One thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. The essence of our rhythm to be with Jesus is about Jesus, is about God. There are three words here that help us to structure what it means for us to be with Jesus, having these rhythm to be with Jesus. Maybe twice, three, four, five, however many times that it will take for you to be with Jesus. I think these three words help us to brainstorm and think through prayerfully how to structure my, your daily office. I cannot tell you what to do, but I think there are three things in this verse that, that really show us our key elements of our time with Jesus throughout the day. Here's the first one. Is the word seek. Our daily office, our daily st stop with Jesus, the center of it all is to seek God. It is to seek Jesus. 
to seek his presence with us. These rhythm of our of our day to be with Jesus is not just way for us to seek things from Jesus, but to seek Jesus Himself. I don't know about you. Oftentimes, when it comes to prayer, it's almost like a laundry list that I come up with. Now I just hand it over to God, and our hearts are easily tempted to seek the hands of God without first seeking the face of God. But these daily rhythm throughout the day that we have is not just about getting things from God, but really being with God. You see, when we focus on getting things from God, we're thinking of getting something so we can do something. I like how one commercial put it. We're not human doing, but human being. The core of who we are and how God made us is not just to do. Again, we should do things. But the core of who we are is to be with Christ, to be with God. And so that's the number one thing is when that's what separates religion from Christianity, biblical Christianity. Religion is just a cold way of following rules. But biblical Christianity, what we just read, what we just uh, read from in our communion is a relationship a vibrant relationship to be with the son of God named Jesus, who's died for us and saved us from eternal hell so that we may now have eternal life to have his presence in our life. That's what it's all about. And so when we make these stops during the day, we're engaging, seeking Christ. We're being silent before him and enjoy his presence. Certainly we can ask God to be with us and and pray and ask for different things. But first and foremost, is about seeking. David here, he said, I will seek after not to something from God to do. But as we look, the second word is this, that he is dwelling. He is dwelling. Dwelling, when I think of the word dwelling, is you are just being there for a period of time. You're not in a hurry. You're not trying to get in, get out. You're literally just spending time. They're dwelling. You're not just dabbling. You're not just swinging by. You're not just merely acknowledging. Oh, yeah, God, you're there. You're not quickly moving on. You are dwelling to be with God. And here David said he needs to dwell in the house of the Lord. And by God's grace, by his mercy, we don't have to go to the church to dwell in in God's presence. We can go wherever we are. Christ lives in us. In fact, Paul reminds us we are the house of God. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We can't dwell. We got anywhere we are, outside in a nice park, here at home, in your room, wherever you get to. Now you have to, you get to experience the presence of God. And so what that means, means that we need to intentionally schedule those things in. It doesn't happen naturally. It doesn't happen naturally because we are hurry in doing many things. There are m- many things that seem more urgent but not necessarily more important. Being with God is important, but sometimes it doesn't feel very urgent. And so we get squeezed out of that time, that rhythm. Instead, we let the rhythm of our hurry life to dictate our lives. I want to give you an analogy. And as I think about this, why we need the rhythm, why we need to dwell. I don't know how familiar you are with Formula One um, or motorsport racing or NASCAR but what happens a lot uh, for most races is it about 200 laps. And so the tank uh, of, a, of a car, race car, generally will not be able to last that long to run through 200 laps. And even if it could, 
you will not have the best result. You will not finish on top because you will, you will start slowing down. And so what happened is these drivers, these teams need to make some choices and periodically they need to stop at some places. Periodically, they need to stop at the pit stop so that they can refuel, they can change the tire, they can restructure, uh, they can tune, make a quick, quick uh, fine tune of their car so that they can go back out and race. But here's the problem. What looks seems, uh, well, every time when they come into the pit stop, you're all familiar with car racing. What happened is all the other cars keeps going. They don't just wait. Not, it's not like basketball. You call timeout, everyone's go to your pit stop. You choose where you want to make, when and you want to make the pit stop. And so while you look at this picture, the car is waiting at the pit stop, being changed, the tire, tire being changed, fuel being refueled, and all of that, all the while the car's outside, so you keep going and going. And so very much so, it seems like you're losing. Very much so, it seems like you are falling behind. And for many of us, that's how we feel. If I just slow down to be with Jesus, if I just make these pit stops to be with Jesus throughout the day, I'm sitting there not moving. I'm not doing anything. And so I seem to be losing out. I'm I seem to be missing out. Other people are going ahead of me. My classmates, my coworkers. I seem to be falling behind. But here's why it's so important to make those pit stops, having rhythm of these pit stops in our lives. It's because in the small, in the short term, it seems like you're losing. But in the bigger picture, you will not win the race without making these pit stops. You might be losing one lap, half a lap, two laps at the moment. And, but what happened is when you get refueled, when you are fine, when you're tuned up, you can go back out to run even harder. One thing I want to remind us is really important for us to look. When we look at Daniel, he stopped three times a day to pray and to, to, to give thanks to God. Those are not just three times that he meet with Jesus. They meet with God. Those are times that helps him to, to be able to meet with God throughout those days, throughout the times between, the, the, between his time, his designated times. Those three times are what allow him to continue to engage with God and all the things that he's doing. When he's active, he's still engaging with God. So do not mistake thinking that, wow, Daniel spent three times with, uh, with God. He's so spiritual. No, the goal is not just to have four times, six times, hundred times throughout the day. The goal is all the days of our lives. David said, I want to dwell in all the days of our lives. All the days of our lives. And that won't happen. Unless we have some structure, periodical time, rhythm of time. So that when we're not intentionally spending time quiet while we're doing our homework, our work, our parenting, whatever that we're doing, we are still engaged with God. Again, on the surface, it seems like, oh, if I stop, I'll lose out, I'll, I'll fall behind. But what I want to challenge you to start thinking is those actually become time for you to be refueled. It will help you to be actively involved in God and in whatever that you're doing. You can actually do more because you're doing it for God and you have been with God.
And here's the last word that last thing that we'll focus on is gaze. The point about these rhythm is not to empty our thought like this whole Eastern meditation thing is like not thinking about anything. Because if you ever try to be silent, as some of you guys have been doing following the devotional, every time you're quiet and silent or you're trying to be, there are a million voices. You might be thinking, what do I need to have lunch today? Oh, I forgot about my laundry. I forgot to do my homework. I wonder what my mom is thinking about right now when I'm closing my eyes, be quiet. Oh, what I need to do after church. How come it takes so long? It's only, it, it feels like it's already two minutes, but it, it feels like it's already like five hours. Let me check the clock. And it's so, there's so many voices. And if it's not internal voices, they're out external voices, isn't it? All of a sudden, a dog will start barking in the neighborhood. All of a sudden, a car driving through honking. You get distracted by all these things, taking our eyes off of Jesus, stop, stop seeking after the presence of Jesus, dwelling in his presence. And so what David reminds us here is this part of your daily rhythm to be with Jesus calls us to gaze, to look, to stare, to behold, not just anything, but the beauty of our Lord, the beauty of God. And I can think of no better way to do that than to gaze into the beauty of his word. Psalms in one, one, the Psalms, uh, the Psalms who wrote Psalm 119 says this, Open my eyes that I may see, that I may behold the wondrous law of God. And so in these rhythm, pissed off uh, uh, throughout the day, one element that is central for us is not just to blank our mind, not think about anything, but really to be quiet and to gaze, to enjoy the word of God. And I want to give you a recommendation that may might work, might not work for you, but I thought for those of you who are starting this, the book of Psalm is probably the best book to practice doing this. It's often referred to the, the songbook of our heart. There are a psalm for those who are angry, those who are agitated, those who are, are relieved, those who are in all of God. It, just range, the, it ranges from the lowest of our, our condition to the, the highest mountain that we can feel toward God and regardless of where we are. The psalm is a good place for us to pause and just gaze, look deeply into who God is and how he communes, relates to us, and loves us. So it's just a simple practice for you, something I've been practicing myself. is throughout the day, I broke out my day into five different kind of pit stop at different hours. And so I just used the book of Psalms that allowed me to gaze in the beauty of God. So, for example, uh, to make it simple, I just look at the date for the day, like today, February 21st. My first pit stop is I just go to Psalm 21 and I just read through it quietly. Sometimes I'll do it audibly, but I read it slowly and then I just be quiet. And then whatever uh, verse, whatever phrase that comes to mind, I just give my thought, focus my thought, and gaze into that phrase and meditate on that phrase. And then sometimes it might be two minutes, sometimes it might be five minutes, sometimes it might be 10 minutes, but whatever it is, I believe that God have my, my attention on that phrase for a reason. And so I meditate and I ask God, I say, God, what do you want me to learn? What do you, what, what is it? What do you want me to know? And then when I'm done, I close in the word of prayer. That sometimes takes like five minutes. And I will write that phrase down. 
on my notepad on my desk. And then after that, in this second one, I'll, I'll add 30 Psalms to that. So for example, you see 21, next one, I go to 51 in my second piece. So I'll go through that uh, by that. That's, so I'll do that in, in the afternoon. Then I'll go to 81, 111, and 141. And so every day, I will, I will go through five Psalms, not studying, not doing a deep dive of it, but just get, put my mind and my heart to be gazing upon God's word. Now, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I don't hit five every single day. In fact, I'm working on being consistent with my third one. The first two, I'm growing a little bit better and to be more consistent about it. But then my, I'm working on my third one. I have yet to have day I'm trying to hit all five. But I'm working on it. I, I, I really want to be able to, to have these rhythms just like Daniel. Maybe I'm just not as spiritual as Daniel, so I need five. Maybe some of you just need two, but whatever it is, I want to share this with you as a practical thing so that you can start building rhythm into your life. The book of Psalm is probably the best place to start. And I, I want to end today's sermon with just a couple of practical tips for you. One is this, that we need to plan for this. Daniel did not just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to start meeting with God. It, it requires some scheduling. It requires some planning on your part. You might need to kind of plan out when you're going to do it, what time you're going to do it. I put mine in pretty simple ways, 6, 9, 12, 3, 6, and 9. So those are 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock. So that might not work for you. So you need to sit down one day, plan out what you're going to read, what, you, what, what scripture maybe you can, you can, maybe you start with Psalm, maybe you are doing a reading somewhere else. Make a plan for it. Because if you don't plan for it, it will never get done. Schedule on your phone. I set an alarm on my phone. It will pop up and remind me. Here's the second one. Start small. Start small. Don't try to aim to be, don't, don't try to do it. I'm going to spend 10, every hour I'm going to spend time with Jesus. Be realistic. Start small, but aim for more. If you start doing well on one, consistent in one, add another one. Maybe you're doing, your, your, your goal is to do three times. Start being consistent with one time. Then after doing for a while, add to the second time. So here's a, my another one is not just you need to plan with it, plan for it. You also need to stick with it. There are many studies out there talking about habit. It takes 21 days to start being consistent with a habit, 40 days to start mastering the habit. So if you are trying to build in a rhythm, don't just go for a week and say, oh, Ben, this is terrible. I can't do any of it. It's just not working for me. Give it some time. Be consistent about it. Do your best to it. Stick with it. And I want to encourage you to dive right into doing it because you're not going to rationalize yourself to do it. You know, you're not going to learn how to swim by just watching a video. What I'm doing here is hopefully encouraging, giving you some some hands-on tools to start building a rhythm that fits you, that will help you to connect with Jesus. And so start, start jumping right into that. The best way to swim is jump in the pool and start learning how to swim. You cannot do it on, 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 on a side and watching someone swim because it will work in your head. But until you dive in, it won't really work for you, which leads to our very last one is this. Not only do we plan for it, stick with it. Here's the last one. Work, work on it. Work on it. Every one of us is made uniquely. You have a certain temperament in your life, a personality, a bringing, the way you relate with God. And that's a beautiful thing. Not every one of us is the same exact way. So I want to challenge you. 
make a plan that works for you. Make it work for you. Experiment with it. Try it for a period of time. It doesn't work. Change a little bit of it. Maybe Psalm is not the thing that will help you to engage with God. Maybe you stop. Maybe you need to listen to some worship music to start with. Do that. The good, a good rule of thumb here is this. Try something. If it works, keep it. If it doesn't work, try something else. This is a lifetime of learning. What worked for you in one season might not work for you in another season. Make this a rhythm. Don't make this a ritual. Ritual is just doing things without purpose. But a rhythm to be with Jesus, I pray and I trust and I know that it is life-giving. Because Jesus meet us where we're at as we make ourselves available to be blessed by his presence. So that those in between times of those pit stops will continue to live in his presence and live for him in all that God has called us to do. So here's a question I want to ask you as we break off in just five minutes for your group to perhaps start wrestling with what God is calling you to do in your life in building rhythm. What would, what would it look like for you to squeeze, to not to squeeze your life around meeting with Jesus instead of squeezing Jesus into your life? Let me clarify that a little bit. For many of us, when we think of spending time with Jesus, we're squeezing Jesus into our lives. But what if we flip that script and say, no, my life is about Jesus. So what would it look like for you to make your life about Jesus and schedule things around that instead of scheduling Jesus into what you think your life is about, school, work, family? Those are all blessings from God, but our lives ought to be about God, about Jesus. Here's the second one is, when will you sit down, actually sit down, take 10, 15 minutes to plan and pray about your rhythm for your day? Come up with a plan that you will try for the next month. Collaborate with your small group. Commit together. Do it. Encourage one another. When are you going to sit down to come up with that plan? Because it takes some thinking. It takes some wrestling. It takes some praying. So now we're going to break off into groups and give us a few minutes to 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 start this process uh, for those who are new uh, we like to get our get some response w- uh, to god's word uh, immediately so that we'll start thinking about it. it's not the end of it hopefully you continue to wrestle with it and live it out the rest of the week but at least we get started with that okay and then after that we'll come back uh, we'll wrap up our worship service together with a few announcements <laughs>